0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to today's program, which is going to feature one of our favorite guests on the show, Mary Roach, who has spoken to us in the past about uh, two of her more curious books, Bonk, The Curious Coupling of Science and Sex, and Packing for Mars. Mary is going to add to her series of bestsellers, we think, with her newest output, Gulp, Adventures on the Alimentary Canal. We caught up with her yesterday after she appeared on Michael Krasny's forum program on KQED, and apparently before she was to address the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. This correspondent traveled down to the Commonwealth Club last week in an effort to try and snag David Stockman for a future interview on this program, which I think will happen. I bought one of his books, which runs to 700 pages, so some homework has to be done between now and his appearance, and when I asked him to sign it, I said, please put great interview. (laughs) He to me." and goes, great interview? And I said, yes, because I plan to do one next month. He seemed amused by that and was also amused by the fact that I said, we had Peter G. Peterson on the program many years back who was his boss at the Blackstone Group, and said he recommended that we have you on, so I hope we can do that. He said, write the publisher. So Mary Roach today, David Stockman next month. Hopefully we'll have um, sometime next month or in June. The legendary Daniel Ellsberg, who has been on KDVS in the past, by the way, on, uh, on, on Richard and Ron's Speaking in Tongues. And while I had the privilege once at Capitol Radio to interview Mr. Uh, Ellsberg, Bringing him on this show will be a first. We're looking forward to that in May or June. But let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History, and it's a curious one today, April 18th, Red Letter Day for Catholicism, for it was on this date in 1506 in Rome that Pope Julius II laid the first stone for St. Peter's Basilica, which took 109 years to build. It's also a Red Letter Day in Protestantism, because 15 years later, on April 18th in 1521, Martin Luther the chief catalyst of Protestantism, made a long speech before the Diet of Worms, refusing to recant his religious beliefs. He he got branded an outlaw and heretic and then went into hiding. And it was on the 18th of April in 75, that is 1775, that Paul Revere made his famous ride from Boston to Lexington to warn American leaders there that the British were marching toward the arsenal at Concord. Or at least so the story goes. There's more to it, but (laughs) we're not going to delve into that today. On April 18th and 1906, the great San Francisco earthquake rocked the Bay Area, killing hundreds of people, toppling numerous buildings, and torching off devastating fires. Of course, it's a fact that uh, some of those fires may have been set by the residents when they found out that uh, earthquake damage was not covered by their insurance policy, but fire was. To this day, you still hear, oh, it wasn't, wasn't the earthquake, it was the fire that did the damage. Well, Yeah. I mean, there were legitimate fires, there were some backfires that were set to basically try and save the city, but I think there was a lot of arson committed as well, which would be, you know, just like San Francisco, which made the decision in the wake of the 06 quake to uh, really not enforce earthquake standards for about 50 years afterwards because, well, it was just too darn expensive. So if you ever plan to stay in a hotel in San Francisco, try to get one that was built after maybe 1960. Sad day for science, on April 18th 1955, the visionary physicist Albert Einstein passed away in Princeton, New Jersey at the age of 76. Two years later, American poet Ezra Pound, who had actively supported Mussolini while living in Italy during World War II, was released after 13 years from Washington, D.C. Hospital for the Criminally Insane. I don't know much about this case, but I figure anyone that endorses Mussolini may well indeed be criminally insane. And finally, on April 18th 1966, Communist China went public with Mao's Cultural Revolution. That came in an official newspaper proclamation that called for a great cultural socialist revolution against persons in authority of the Communist Party who have taken the capitalist road is kind of odd because this many years later, everyone in China seems to be taking the capitalist road, including the officials of the Chinese Communist Party. All right, our quote of the day comes from the Iron Lady, Margaret Thatcher, who once said, if you just set out to be liked, you'd be prepared to compromise on anything and any time, and you would achieve nothing. Well, we got to say that was a lady that didn't mind being disliked by certain people anyway. A quote of the day comes from the late Roger Ebert, who also passed away, uh, I guess it was last week, said Ebert, every great film should seem new every time you see it. Our jokes of the day start with one from Jay Leno, which is based on a stat we reported a couple weeks ago, said Jay, according to the United Nations, more people have working cell phones than have working toilets. Hey, so do most Carnival cruise ships, that's not unusual. And a couple days ago, said Conan O'Brien, or at least his writers, a magazine has come out with a list of the 20 most hated celebrities. And number one is Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't get that. After hearing this, Mel Gibson said, what do I have to do? He's screaming at his agent right now. And there's Jimmy Fallon, who weighed in with, things are still very tense in North Korea. In fact, world leaders are just waiting to see if Kim Jong-un is going to actually fire a missile. That's after this week's deadline came and went. Of course, apparently what happened was he messed up and bought Mentos and regular Coke. And our final joke of the day comes from Vivek Ranadeev, described as a Silicon Valley software tycoon currently embroiled in this ongoing insanity of trying to keep the Sacramento Kings in Sacramento at any cost to the taxpayer, etc. But the joke here is the headline in the Sacramento Bee quoting Mr. Ranadeev, saying that he sees the Kings as a global brand. Oh, yes. Everywhere you are going in Calcutta, you see the Kings. Everyone is wearing the Kings jerseys. I don't think so, Vivek. But if you want to throw your money after this team so you can market stuff over in India, good luck to you, sir. Actually, we can't resist one more uh, joke from Jay Leno. Who said a month or two ago, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman is under investigation for alleged misuse of campaign funds. She is blaming the accusations on her arch nemesis, the facts. All right, our stats of the day from the Week magazine. Let's reiterate one we reported on a couple weeks ago. According to the Pew Research Center, for the first time, a majority of Americans, 52% favor the legalization of marijuana. Support for legalization had been 41% in 2010, so things are looking up. Attention, federal attorneys. And one of the scariest deaths we've aired in quite some time, according to YouGov.com, 34% of American adults favor making Christianity their state's official religion, and 32% would support a constitutional amendment making it the official national religion. Mr. McMillan? Just got a word to say about those who think that a national religion is a good idea. Take a look at Judaism versus Islam in the Middle East. Or how about Islam versus Hinduism in the Indian subcontinent? How about Catholicism versus Protestantism in Ireland? Official religions, not such a good idea. That's why we have what's called the First Amendment here in the United States. Alright, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the week, it was a good week this week for the terminally unpopular who can now hire weeping professional grievers for wakes and funerals from British startup Rent-A-Mourner. <laughs> the company says its actors, which cost $68 a head, will read up on the deceased life stories so they can, quote, converse with other mourners with confidence, unquote. On the other hand, it was a bad week, I guess, for, I don't know, everyone, with news that an Ohio middle, sc- middle school is requiring all students to be drug-tested before participating in extracurricular activities, including non-athletic activities like the yearbook club. School officials say the testing discourages drug use, but some parents are outraged. Said one, it's easy to pee in a cup, but giving up your constitutional rights just because you can doesn't mean you should. And finally, it was an ugly week last week for ADHDD, which is Radio Parallax's term for Attention Deficit Slash Hyperactivity Diagnosing Disorder, which seems to afflict America's psychiatrists and psychologists. The ADHD diagnosis has soared 41% in the U.S. over the past decade, according to the Center for Disease Control. More than 1 in 10 school-age children's been diagnosed with ADHD, and nearly 1 in 5 high school-age boys has. Noted a doc at the Yale School of Medicine the increase is largely the fault of doctors yielding to pressure from parents to medicate kids who have only mild behavioral problems or trouble concentrating. Yes, we reported on this program before that based on phone conversations, including descriptions of kids' behavior, drugs like Ritalin and Adderall, amphetamines are being used to treat America's kids, mostly high school boys. It's a national disgrace, and something needs to be done about it. You know, we talk about obituaries in our third uh, segment usually. We're not going to do that today, but I do just want to note the passing of Jonathan Winters, a remarkable figure in comedy. We'll try and devote some time to properly address uh, his contributions to making us all laugh, but... uh, Maybe in May we're going to do, I'm thinking about doing an all-o-bit show. Maybe do that twice a year. We try to do it at the end of the year, but there's never enough time. So look for that sometime in May. You also want to note what a great national treasure David Letterman has been over the decades. Every now and again, he just comes up with one that you almost want to roll off the couch with. In the wake of this nonsense about the threat from Kim Jong-un, there were some photographs of him looking through a large set of binoculars, which prompted Letterman's writers to come up with a segment called World Leaders and Binoculars. The series began with Kim Jong-un looking through his set, followed by Barack Obama looking through binoculars, followed by, I think it was Bill Clinton looking through a set of binoculars, followed by a picture of George W. Bush with an large red arrow, pointed to the fact that although he was appearing to peer through a set of binocs, the lens caps were still on. I'm not sure I can think of a better summary of the Bush presidency. We're sorry to note that we missed Jane Goodall in her local appearance as part of the Sacramento Speaker Series, but an item related to uh, chimpanzees and, and actually Jane Goodall's work appeared in New Scientist last month. When she first started studying the chimps in Tanzania and the Gombe Reserve, she felt that they were a remarkably peace-loving species. But with further observations, it turned out that the chimps went to war, much like we humans. In fact, I was somewhat startled to see the picture in New Scientist of a dead alpha male chimp. The report was that uh, Pimu, the alpha male of a chimp group living near Ta- Lake Tanganyika, Um, well, saw his rule come to a bloody end in October of 2011 when he was attacked and killed by four other males in the troop. Apparently the attack happened one morning after Pimu had started a fight with the second-ranking male, and after that male fled, four others charged and beat Pimu and bit his hands and feet. So evidently chimps are uh, more like humans than even Jane Goodall realized at first. All right, and speaking of wild animals and uh, bad behavior, we made some passing mention a while back of a story out of Rio Linda, which I think I now have uh, fully in front of me. A piece by Diana Lambert in the Sacramento Bee noted that um, some time back, officers of the Fish and Wildlife Service here in California showed up at the Cervantes' home in rural Rio Linda to inform them that their black-tailed deer could no longer be kept as a pet said his spokesperson, a deer is a wild animal. We keep wild animals wild. Well, from what we've seen in, uh, in coverage in the bee of late, uh, they generally keep wild animals dead. But no, these chumps uh, apparently sent out four pickups with seven officers. Seven officers and biologists and a veterinarian pulled onto the family property, opened the gates, and then uh, basically took the pet deer away. Story is that two years ago, truck driver Juan Cervantes found the fawn near a dead doe on the highway. She still had her umbilical cord attached. He put the fawn in a cab, took her home. Bottle fed her. And apparently this, uh, this pet deer is deemed a threat to somebody. I don't know. I don't know what their, what their logic is. Cervantes said the deer was like any other pet. She's friendly with animals, the goats of my son, good with the neighbors. So yeah, you can have a goat, which is not a wild animal. And uh, that's fine, but if you've got a deer and it's meshing with goats and other pets, the Fish and Wildlife Service will come and take it away. Here's the part I like best. The Fish and Wildlife officials said the deer would be taken to a rehabilitation center in Rancho Cordova. And I guess after they send the deer to rehab, it's going to get a health checkup, and officials will determine what to do next. Yes, after they take the deer away... They'll get a checkup, put it in rehab, and then decide what to do. Another spokesperson for the Fish and Wildlife said the deer could be sent to a wildlife rescue facility, but because the animals lived with a family for two years, the chances it will be left to the wild are very slim. Out in the neighborhood in Rio Linda, the neighbors, uh, which are on one and two acre parcels, questioned why the deer wasn't allowed to spend her days eating corn and alfalfa cubes in a paddock she shares with goats and chickens. One neighbor called the actions a waste of taxpayers' dollars, which we'd have to concur with. But, uh, you know, Fish and Wildlife officials did say the family members won't be cited. Just to round this out, let's quote from some more jackass statements from Fish and Wildlife. We get calls every year about people taking wildlife as pets. People taking coyotes, birds, and baby raccoons. They should instead call our department and we can help decide where to take it. One person cited how many people take in fawns they find alone in the woods thinking they've been abandoned by their mothers, noting, quote, mothers will leave their young while they forage for food, adding, dear moms have been doing that for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes, but when they're lying dead near the side of the road with their fawn still attached by the umbilical cord, chances are they ain't coming back after foraging for food. And I also found another piece that I'd set aside uh, about uh, this homeless problem here in Sacramento, piece by Cynthia Hubert, noting that uh, civil rights attorneys led by Mark Marin, remember him? Also, Kathleen Williams have requested $1.8 million in legal fees they incurred for representing the homeless. This comes out of a class action lawsuit uh, uh, a couple years back in federal courts, which has already cost the city $800,000 in payments to those who lost personal property, including tents, lanterns, and prescription medicines during raids on illegal tent camps. Sacramento County was part of the civil lawsuit, but uh, but uh, got out of it by paying $488,000. Mr. Merritt thinks that the $1.2 million, I guess he's managed to cost taxpayers to date isn't enough, he also needs himself another $1.8 million. Hmm, it does appear that per, perhaps there may have been some ulterior motives in his lawsuit filing. I don't know. Seems to me that that's possible. Of course, I do emphasize that that opinion, like all those heard on this program, does not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the University of California. All right, final piece, a bit of follow-up on our talk with Sharon Begley a couple weeks back, and maybe a bit of a prelude for our speaking today with uh, Mary Roach. I want to cite a, um, a piece from the Journal of Family Practice, an article saying that uh, when you prescribe antibiotics, if you tell patients that taking probiotics for an entire course of treatment, that'll help prevent diarrhea. Of course, I read the article very carefully, it doesn't seem to explain what probiotics are. So we kind of have a doubt about uh, the efficacy of their meta-analysis of the use of probiotics with antibiotics. Now, surely having good bacteria inside you is a good thing, but we're still figuring out what those bacteria are, we're still trying to figure out what you can market in the way of, quote, probiotics, unquote, that's going to be effective. So, uh, boy, I just wonder who sponsored this research, Herbalife? All right, it's time for a break. Let's take one. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Stay tuned for what we think will be an interesting talk with Mary Roach. Je suis enchanté. Où est la bibliothèque? Voilà mon passeport. Ah, Gérald i Oh 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 oh